The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
We are in the days of Elijah. It is time to prepare the way of the Lord. So what does that look like? Today's message is a message for the true in heart. Many of you, I believe, sincerely have love in your heart for Jesus. Many of you are like me, having searched for many years to understand the gospel then being distracted and then coming back to the search discontent in your heart not sure how you stand praying receiving no answer wondering searching you're true of heart but you know you're not right with Jesus yet. I want to share with you a a question that I googled. And up popped this webpage, Got Questions, Your Biblical Answers. I want to share with you this answer. Question, what does it mean to have faith in Jesus? answer many people speak about having faith in jesus but what exactly does this mean the bible uses the phrase faith in jesus synonymously with belief in jesus as savior romans 3:22 and 23 says that quote righteousness is given through jesus through faith in jesus christ to all who believe There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When we place our faith in Jesus, we believe in him, and God grants his righteousness to us. Is that true? Is that true? When we place our faith in Jesus... We believe in him, and God grants his righteousness to us. Is that true? It continues. To have faith in Jesus means to trust him, simply, fully, without reservation. On one occasion, before Jesus healed two blind men, he asked them, quote, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? End quote. They answered, Yes, Lord. And he healed them according to their faith. 
Matthew 9, 28, 29. The men simply trusted the power and goodness of the Lord, and they received their sight. When a person has faith in Jesus, it means that he or she believes who Jesus is, God in human form, and trusts what Jesus has done, died and been resurrected. This faith in the person and work of Christ is what saves. Romans 10, 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 1 John 5, 1. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The key is belief. In response to God's love, anyone who places his or her faith in Jesus has the promise of eternal life. Again, is that true? Is that true? Are you sure? Without faith in Jesus, we remain in sin and cannot be accepted into God's presence in his perfect heaven. With faith in Jesus, we are given access to the Father as God, as God's own children. To have faith in Jesus is to reject all other ways of salvation. We cannot trust in Jesus and anything else. We trust in Jesus alone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12 Salvation is exclusive. Jesus is the only way. John 14.6 Are you ready to place your faith in Jesus? Do you trust him to save you? There's no special prayer you must pray. However, you can respond right now with a prayer similar to this. Dear God, I realize I am a sinner and could never reach heaven by my own deeds. Right now, I place my faith in Jesus Christ as God's Son who died and rose again to give me eternal life. I trust in Jesus alone. Please forgive me my sins and help me to live for you. Thank you for accepting me and giving me eternal life. Have you made a decision for Christ because of what you've just read here? If so, please click on this I Have Accepted Christ Today button below. Well, is that true? I listened to one of my favorite preachers this morning, Paul Washer. He made a very interesting statement. He said that salvation comes by faith in Jesus. Now, I can read you scriptures that say that. Paul in the book of Romans says that Well, let me turn to it quickly so I can actually read it for you so you're not just hearing me say it, but 
I want to read it to you. This is Romans, the second chapter, verse 22. Indeed, righteousness is out from God through faith by means of Jesus Christ to all and upon all the ones believing. Or verse 28, logically, therefore, a man is made righteous by means of faith apart from works of the law. That's true. Righteousness is out from God by means of faith to the ones believing. It's true. But we have a problem. Paul Washer has been preaching this message for a long time. And I also preached that message for a long time. And the modern church is preaching that message. Paul Washer went on to say, We are saved by faith in Jesus alone. But we have a problem. It's a very real problem. And the problem is this. Faith in Jesus alone does not bring righteousness. Now, I know the modern church's answer to that, which is very simple, but a lie. They say, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved. Because Jesus imputes his righteousness to you, So now you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. But is that true? No, it's not true. You're not on your way to heaven. Hell is going to be filled with people who believed in Jesus. Hell is going to be filled with people who trusted in Jesus for their salvation. Let me read a passage of scripture for you. It's found over here. It's referred to as the Romans road. It's a very common scripture among Protestants as they look at a model for how to evangelize the lost. Romans 10. I'll begin reading with verse 8. The rhema is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith which we preach, that if you may confess Lord Jesus with your mouth and may believe with your heart that God raised him out from among the dead ones, you will be saved. For within the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confesses unto salvation. For the scripture says, everyone believing on him will not be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all, being rich unto all the ones calling upon him. Indeed, whoever may call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then? Will they call upon whom they have 
believe not? And how will they believe whom they have not heard? And how will they hear apart from preaching? And how will they preach if they are not sent? Well, what do we do with that? Is that is that passage, can it stand alone? Is that true? We're in deep trouble. Because in America, we have preached, and I have as well, a gospel of believing in Jesus and trusting in Jesus and saying that that should save us. But the fact is, trusting in Jesus and believing in Jesus does not work righteousness in a man's life. That's reality. Paul Washer said this morning, believing in Jesus and trusting in Jesus should cause a man to repent of his sins, to turn from wickedness, and to be born again. All of that is true, but it doesn't work that way. You can believe in the name of Jesus, you can call upon the name of Jesus and still be lost and still go to hell. Because believing on the name of Jesus and trusting in Jesus does not work righteousness in a man's life. The problem is we have preached a gospel in America that does not work righteousness in a man or woman's life. And if there is not righteousness in the man's life, except that which is called imputed righteousness, it's phony baloney. It's not real. It will not stand the test of time. It's cultural. It's a part of the very fabric of the American church. But it's a lie. It's just not True. Because you see, a man who trusts in Jesus, a man who believes in Jesus, is still a sinner man. He's not saved. That's reality. You've heard me say this before, and I'll I'll emphasize it again today for you. We do not cherry-pick certain passages of Scripture out of the Apostle Paul and say, okay, this is our truth. And we stand on this truth that Paul says righteousness comes from believing in Jesus. That, by the way, is a true statement, but not as it stands and not as it is stated you can't cherry-pick out of the Scriptures a passage of Scripture and then build your theology around that. And again, I want to come today and ask you the simple question. Are you willing to look at the Scriptures and accept the whole truth that is revealed there? Are you willing to take the Scriptures at their word 
and believe it. But not a passage of scripture plucked out of context that we then say, as we do about Revelation or Romans, the 10th chapter, we pluck that whole passage out of context and we say, now, okay, this is the way of salvation. When it's not. And many who believe, just as it says in Romans 10, will go to hell because it's not the way of salvation. There is something dreadfully wrong in the American church. We are in an absolute crisis. There are very few real Christians in America. While there are many Christians who say they are Christians and who say they follow Jesus Christ, but they have omitted very essential elements for the salvation to work in their lives. Have you done that? Now, what I'm going to share with you is not pretty. But I'm not interested in pretty. I'm interested in real. I'm interested in the truth. And remember, and I'll say this again, I always interpret the writings of the apostles through the lens of Jesus Christ. I interpret Romans, Corinthians. I interpret all of the apostles' writings through the teachings of Jesus Christ. And Romans 10 has to be viewed through the lens of the words of Jesus instead of through the lens of the modern church. There is something essential that is totally missing from Romans 10. And without this missing element, Romans 10 becomes a road to hell. Let me share with you what that missing element is. Go with me to the teachings of Jesus. I'm going to begin in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew. Let's begin with a very familiar verse, but one that we need to hear clearly today in the context of salvation. We'll begin with verse 13. You must enter through the narrow gate. Jesus did not say you must enter through Romans 10. Jesus did not say you must enter through faith and belief in me. He did not say that. He said you must enter through the narrow gate. The agonizing gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way leading into destruction. 
and many are the ones entering through it. How narrow is the gate. How restricted is the way that leads to life. And the ones finding it are few. Well, why why are those looking for it who find it, why are they so few? Could answer that question. There is a narrow gate, there is a a suffering gate, a painfully restricting gate. And then there is a broad road. And that broad road leads to destruction, and many are the ones entering through that gate. But how narrow is the gate and restricted is the way that leads to life, and the ones finding it are few. Now, he says the same thing again over in Matthew, the 16th chapter. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and must take up his cross and must follow me. Jesus did not say, Anyone who wills to come after me He must trust me and he must believe in me. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, if you want to be my disciple, it starts with denying yourself. And then you take up your cross and you follow me. He doesn't use the words trust or believe. He uses the word Deny, take up your cross, follow me. For whoever may wish or will to save his life will lose it. But whoever may lose his life for my sake will find it. So Romans 10 doesn't say anything about denying yourself taking up your cross doesn't say anything about losing your life but those were the words that Jesus used so you're in great danger if you take the Romans 10 template and say okay let's make this a model for how we evangelize because you'll be teaching a false gospel and that has been done in almost every church across America And the result has been the church filled with half-converted people who are walking the broad way to destruction, all the while being assured by the preachers that they're on their way to heaven. I was caught in that, and I participated in that, and I was wrong, and I've had to repent with tears and weeping before God. For what does a, a man profit if... He may gain the whole world and may suffer the loss of his soul. If you take Romans 10 and say, this is the model for evangelism, you're going to cause men and women to lose their soul. Now, Romans 10 doesn't say this, but Jesus did. 
For the Son of Man is destined to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his activity. So in other words, there are some actions that are necessary. Jesus said, deny yourself. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. In other words, to Jesus, these are necessary actions. So if a man says you are saved by faith in Jesus alone, he is denying the word of Jesus about how to enter into salvation. So the people who believe this preacher will enter into a false salvation. Because in the false salvation of the American Christian church, there is no death to self. There is no crucifixion. There is no dying out. So how can there be resurrection? Now, if you look in Luke, Luke the ninth chapter, verse 23 Now he was saying to all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. And this is in the Hebrew. It's an aorist tense. And it does not mean, it does not mean deny oneself once. He must take up his cross and must follow me. So, according to Jesus, again, in Luke, the ninth chapter, verse 23, if you want to follow Jesus, it's not a matter of believing and trusting, it's a matter of denying yourself, taking up your cross, and the only reason you would take up a cross is to be crucified with Christ. For whoever may will to save his life will lose it. But whoever may lose his life for my sake, this one will save it. For what does it benefit a man after having gained the whole world, but having lost or forfeited himself? The modern church is teaching that a man does not have to die. He does not have to deny himself. He is covered by the grace of God. He's able to take the salvation of Jesus to himself while he is yet unconverted, having not denied himself and having not taken up the cross. He instead can can accept the wonderful gift of Jesus still be in his flesh a sinner and so the church teaches eternal security based on faith and belief in Jesus and no word about crucifixion or denying yourself or taking up your cross and so it's a lie The reason there is so 
much destruction. The reason there is so much wickedness in the modern American church, the reason we have been so powerless is we have denied the cross of Jesus. And we've not been crucified with him. Now, if you, if you go with me to Luke, the 14th chapter, I'm reading these to you to show you that this is not just said once. Contextually, it's said over and over. It was the teaching of Jesus. And so you come to chapter 14 of Luke, verse 25. Now large multitudes were going along with him, and having turned, he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not have single-minded loyalty to me over his father and mother, his wife and children, brothers and sisters, yea, even to his own life, he's not able to be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me is not able to be my disciple. Then we come to Romans. And we need to understand that the Apostle Paul did not just give Romans 10. The Apostle Paul did not just give Romans 10 the second and third chapter. He was speaking very specifically in the second and third chapters about this wondrous gift that Jesus has given to us by dying on the cross. But he doesn't say how to enter into that wondrous gift that Jesus has given. Yes, it's believing. Yes, it's trusting. But it's much more than that. He's speaking about the law and setting aside the law, that is, the whole Jewish ceremonial code, the sacrificial system, the feast days. Verse 22, this is Romans, the third chapter, verse 22. Indeed, righteousness is out from God through faith, by means of Jesus Christ. Yes, righteousness is coming from God by faith, by means of Jesus Christ to everyone believing on him. Verse 24, being made righteous freely by his grace by means of the redemption in Christ Jesus whom God and no other set forth an atonement by means of his blood through faith to declare his righteousness because of a passing over of the sins having previously occurred. Verse 28, logically, therefore, a man is made righteous by means of faith apart from the works of the law or apart from the works. This is not antinomianism. This is the works of the law 
the ceremonial law, the the sacrificial law. The this is the Mosaic law. This is not God's law. This is not the Ten Commandments. We establish moral law. Jesus established moral law. Then in the fourth chapter, he goes more into Abraham and what happened with Abraham. He also begins to speak about the necessity of obedience. Chapter 5 He speaks about coming by faith, walking by faith in Jesus. But in chapter 6, he comes to the very heart of his message. And now he's going to talk about how we enter in. Don't read Romans 2, 3, 4, and 5 and establish that as your theology. Don't read Romans 10 and say, this is the Romans road, and this is the model for our evangelism. No, we've got to go back, and we've got to read carefully Romans 6, 7, and 8, and understand the way to enter into that salvation that is being offered freely to us. Salvation is not by works. It is by faith in Jesus Christ. But there are very specific actions that must be taken if we're going to enter into that salvation. Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross. You must be crucified with Christ. Now, let's be very clear about this issue. Paul taught that there must be a crucifixion. Let me read it for you. Paul says himself, For because of law, I died to the law in order that I may live for God. That is the moral law. I died to the moral law. He writes, Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I still am. On the other hand, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one having loved me and having handed himself over in my behalf. I do not set aside the grace of God For if righteousness is by law, then Christ died in vain. So let's be very clear. There is no righteousness without crucifixion. Your crucifixion and my crucifixion. Our hearts have to be circumcised by Jesus. There has to be a very real death if there is going to be a very real resurrection. Now, chapter 6 of Romans. What then shall we say? 
continue in sin so that grace may become more and more? No, certainly not. We who died to sin, how shall we still live in it? See, the problem in the American church is that the churches aren't teaching you have to die to sin. They're saying just believe in Jesus, trust Jesus. That's not the answer. That's only part of the answer. And a part of the answer, if given as the whole answer, is a lie. There has to be a total crucifixion of your heart and of your mind and of your body in Jesus Christ. You must die. If you don't die, you will not live with Christ. Are you ignorant? Are you uneducated? Do you not know this? Chapter 6, verse 3, that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Really? We were buried together with him by means of the baptism into the death, just as Christ was raised out from among the dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in the newness of life. You cannot walk around in the newness of life if you have not yet been crucified with Christ. So what ends up happening is a man or woman hears the preaching of the word, they hear the offering of salvation, and they say, yes, I'd like to add that to my already wonderful life. Or I would like to add that to my life because my life is kind of messed up and I need to make some changes. And so I'd like to add Jesus to my life as it is now. And so you add Jesus and now you begin a process of self-improvement. So you go to the church and you're told, read your Bible. You're told to pray every day. You're told to come to the workshops and the seminars, come to church. But you're still a pagan man. You're still a worldly person. You still lust after the pornography. You're still married to somebody and shacked up with somebody else. Or you're still committing fornication. Or you're lying or you're cheating or you're stealing. You, you weren't crucified. You didn't die. So you're going through this process of self-improvement. So your life is a life of struggling, doing the best you can. You're seeing some changes. You've, you've eliminated perhaps smoking. You might have even gained the victory over alcohol or drugs. Many overcome alcohol and drugs by going to AA. And they're not even Christians. The human spirit is strong enough in most people that they can turn aside from cigarettes or from alcohol. They can have seminars on anger management, time management, stress management, you can go to these workshops and frankly I've taught strategic 
time management. I've taught courses in conflict resolution. I've led professional people in conflict management at large organizations with hundreds in attendance. All of this is self-improvement. Tony Robbins. Think and Grow Rich with Napoleon Hill. Clyde Bristol, The Magic of Believing. Human Spirit. Working out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But it's not the tree of life. And so you say, well... You know, God's just going to have to accept me as I am. I can't change myself. I'm a sinner. I'm always going to be a sinner. What can I do? I've done my best. I've tried as hard as I can. But I just can't make it. So we're all sinners. We're always going to be sinners. And when Jesus comes again, I'll be transformed into his likeness. So death, or when Jesus comes, you'll be saved. That's a false hope. It's not real. That's not how it works. There must be a baptism into death if you want a real resurrection. For if we have become united in the similarity of his death, then we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin may be destroyed, that we not hereafter serve sin, but the ones having died have been freed from sin. Have you been freed from sin? If not, it's because you have not yet been crucified with Christ. Or you have gone back and rebuilt what the Holy Spirit destroyed in you. And many of us have done that, I say to my shame. So I ask today the simple question. Have you been crucified with Christ? There will be no revival in America until there is a willingness to be crucified with Christ. The church can pray from now until it's blue in the face, and the judgments of God are going to fall on America and upon the church. Why? Because we have thought that all we had to do was believe in Jesus and trust him, and he would work it all out. No, he said, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me to Golgotha, You must be crucified with Christ. There must be a total crucifixion where bitterness and anger go to the cross. Where wickedness, lust for money, jealousy, pride, dissensions, anger, they have to go to the cross. You have to be crucified with Christ. It's not simply trust and believe and you're on your way to heaven. 
No, it, that's a false gospel. That's another gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to be united with Jesus in his death. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin may be destroyed. Five minutes. That we not hereafter serve sin for the one having died has been freed from sin. Have you been freed from sin? If not, please come. Please enter into the baptism of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Please say, yes, Jesus, crucify me. Yes, Jesus, let me totally die now. I am crucified with Christ. I give up my life. I give up my plans. I give up my ambitions. I give up everything for the sake of Jesus. I give up my dreams. I give up everything for Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. And I'm crucified with Christ. It's a work that Jesus does in our hearts. It's referred to in Scripture as a circumcision of the heart done by the hand of Jesus himself. It's a supernatural work of death that we could live unto Jesus. That's all the time we have for today. We're going to continue this study next Tuesday. Tomorrow, Friday, and Monday, I'm going to take time to rest over the holiday. I'm going to take time to pray and read the scriptures. I'll be praying for you. Please pray for me. There will be pre-recorded broadcasts. I need time to rest and pray. And I need to hear from you. I need your financial support to continue doing this broadcast. Would you go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com? That's nationalprayerchapel.com. And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see a button that says Donate. Click on that, and it will take you to a webpage where you can make your tithe offering or regular offering for this broadcast. And God bless you as you do that. I'd also love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And while I'm on this YouTube video, please, would you subscribe? And it also now, if you go to the studio, has a place where you can make comments live while I'm doing the broadcast. It can give very honest feedback to what's happening in your heart as you listen to the broadcast. You're welcome to go there and make those comments. Now let me pray for you. Oh Lord, we have believed sincerely honestly we have believed 
something that is not the gospel. Our hearts have been deceived. We have believed that we could enter into salvation without crucifixion and without denying ourselves, without dying. And Lord, the result has been there's no resurrection in your church today. And Lord, this has to change. I pray, Almighty King, that you would come and open the hearts and minds of your people. Each person listening right now, Lord, cause them to cry out to you that you would finish this work of crucifixion in their hearts. Thank you, Jesus, I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee. God bless you, my dear brother and sister. I love you. I'm encouraged by your comments. I'm encouraged by your subscribing to the YouTube. Please cry out to the Lord and pray for me. And I'll talk to you soon. I love you. God bless you.